You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, sponsored by Broken Egg Games. Welcome to episode number 15 of Line of Sight. That's, uh, that's, yeah, there's so many of them already. Uh, my name's Chandler. You all know me, probably, hopefully. And I'm here with my good buddy, Jaden. How's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, I'm super excited for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have our uh, intern here this week because he decided that it was more important to test Blindwater stuff for CID because... That's the kind of guy he is now. <laughs> Damn you, Brett. Anyway, however, in replacement and probably a drastic upgrade from our usual intern, uh, we have uh, Mr. Will Pagani. How's it going? It's going great, man. How are you guys? Just kicking along, trying to survive as the weather begins to turn cold in glorious northern Utah. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm up in Seattle for my first like this period of time and it is way better than texas yes yeah, I, I can confirm that <laughs> it's still like 100 in texas so yeah pretty the weather right now we went we went from like we were sitting in the 90s and then over the course of like three days we were in the 50s and it was just like what huh like, like what's going on why do i have to put a coat on all of a sudden like what the hell happened yeah mountainous desert weather it's fun yep it's similar up here in Wenatchee. We were in the hundreds, and now we're in the 60s, and it's like, what the heck? <laughs> Why? Why? I always get super sick when the temperature changes like that, too. It's the worst. Anyway, that's everybody who's on uh, for this week. We're going to be kicking straight into this one. We're going to talk about news just a little bit. Um, first thing we got noted on there is, uh, this is what Brett's doing. Of course, Blindwater CID has kicked into week two. Woo. Yep, with lots of sweet updates. That Dracodile. Mm. Oh, man. So excited for that guy. That was the so the the territorial rule right was a that was pretty much entirely a suggestion right that came from the community if I remember right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was uh, when we were doing our our CID first shot on Facebook yeah. Live. Somebody the, was like, "We should put in something that lets it charge big stuff because it's scared of big stuff." Like, yeah, I love the name territorial for that rule. I was like, yep. oh, "That's so good." Like, yep, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think that thing's awesome. That thing is just the smashiest, smashy thing I can think of at this point. And I could play it in, like, every faction I play, because I'll just stick it in wrong eye and be like, I have a Colossal on every list. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems a bit extreme, but you can totally do it. <laughs> I, I am definitely doing it. We're, that is happening. Not, it's extreme, but we're not going to judge. It's all right. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe me. Maybe not the best choice, but, you know. I mean, well, this is the thing. Somehow you people got me, like, wanting to pick up scoring lists. So, like... Really, something, something's, something's going on at Privateer Press here, but yeah, because that, that is a fact that has been low on my radar for a long time, but now I'm like, oh, they got the immortal theme and they can take gators. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. It's the stuff I like. I don't have to take Titans. Uh, I don't like Titans very much. Anyway, uh, next set of news, Broken Egg Games. Yeah, so they've got their terrain and scenario stuff back in stock, and they've also got the sweet new Mark III terrain stuff like Burning Earth and Acid Pools and Rebel and, and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I am super excited because they are very pretty, and I've been waiting for them for a while. Yeah, they look really good, I, I especially since I've been mainly using Broken Egg stuff. Um, I haven't really used much of the kind of newer terrain types. Um mm -hmm. So like the burning earth and, and acid pools and that kind of thing. I use rubble a lot. I was it's technically a rough terrain template, but I always call it rubble because it's more fun. <laughs> Same, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see those. Um, I'm hoping we'll eventually see like cloud banks and stuff. I'd love to see that kind of stuff pop in as well. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that'll be coming at some point. But yeah, eventually, slowly. And then the last thing, uh, warm machine weekend. It's in a few weeks. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's like a month-ish from today. Uh, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's like four and a half. That's, that's probably about right. I have so much painting to do if I want to play Protector. I know, well, <laughs> me too, but I've been, I'm getting there. Yeah. Well, I don't even have models yet. 
Like, <laughs> oh, that's awkward. It started. I mean, you can come join our painting party on Thursday night because if Chandler decides he wants a revelator in his pairing, we're gonna paint it on Thursday night for him in the hotel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've done that too many times. Yes. Really, ever want to do that again? Yeah. Well, I my paint scheme is designed to go up extremely quickly, so it works pretty good. It's a good. It's a good setup. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to get into LCQ. Um, I'm going to be doing a wildcard qualifier in a few days, which if I can win that one, that would be neat. I doubt I'll actually get into the event, but pays for my pass. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping desperately I don't have to do LCQ. I'm fourth on the wait list, so I just got to make five people, four or five people come down with mysterious illnesses, and I'm in. You don't, you don't want to do like a 200-person tournament that ends like two hours before the, the invitational starts? Is that what you're you know, as fun, as fun as that sounds... <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> well, last the only year... Time, hmm, the ahead. only time I ever played in the LCQ, I think I went 3-0 and then dropped to go get in the hot tub. <laughs> See, that, I can get behind that. Yeah. Well, and it, like, like, screwed up everything. Because when you're top undefeated, it, it's a disaster for Dota you. <laughs> I know. It's just like, why did you do this? Um, well, last year it was the LCQ winner that won, wasn't it? Chris I Davies. mean, it, it, was, it was Mad Dog spam, so... Yeah. Sure. Uh, but still, I think it was it's... qualified. I think the farthest an LCQ person gone was the year that I won the Invitational where Flanzer made it to the Grand Finals. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to check. I think that's the farthest, but I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Maybe. Maybe. Either way, yeah. come and see us and see oh. all the other cool War Machine people, and it's going right. to be fun. For Davies sure. did win the LCQ. Yeah. Killing it. That's so many just. Somebody just like so... wins in one event, just like knocking them out. And you're just like, damn, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Davies is a very good player, so yeah, don't just pin that one on bad dogs. Like no, for sure. He's an incredibly strong player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it takes a particular kind of person to be able to play thirty hours of War Machine in three days anyway. So I mean he was that... also throwing up mid round from his hangover, so Oh that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that was even more impressive. Yeah. Uh, Tim Banky could not stop regaling me with the story of how he threw up on the table right in front of him at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is why we love War Machine Weekend, everybody. <laughs> I am going to be the only sober person in the entire building. I oh, just probably know. not. There's people from all over the place. but no, I'll be sober. I'll be on live stream. Oh, that's true. Okay. A lot of commentary. You'll you be the only sober person off the clock. Let's put it more. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's about it for news, though. There, there wasn't a whole lot going on this week, aside from, of course, the the um, <clears throat> uh, second update for Blindwater, which was full of just awesome stuff. Brett was yep. very excited that some of his suggestions got taken. So, uh, Also, Void Leech, It's a Bog Trog, is my new favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It turns out the little guy is indeed a Bog Trog. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Chandler, yeah. that should be our ATC name. <laughs> but just Void, void Leech, it's a Bog, a bog Trog. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Nobody plays minions. Brett's on something else by then. We're just like, I'm confused. Uh, anyway. Well, just because we, we got Pagani on here doesn't mean we're not going to talk about a uh, rule of the week this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I actually oh. suggested this one, I believe. Oh, yes, he did. So, we're going to talk about Warcaster and Warlock attachments. Yeah. 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 Will, do you want to talk about them? Uh, well, specifically, my my rules thing of this week is uh, Warcaster units cannot take unit attachments like the Void Leech or like Solus Escorts if Rhett were to ever get one, or the uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the name of the Convergence attachment. Trans- uh, not the Dispersion Opt Effects. No. Not the algorithm. No, that's is it the enumerator or something? Transverse enumerator. Transverse, Transverse yeah, enumerator. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you cannot put that on Iron Mother's unit uh, because there's a rule in the rulebook. That's that's why. <laughs> oh, that's reasonable. <laughs> why can't I? I'm like, well, because the rules say you can't. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there, there's no other reason than that. Yep. Yeah. But you can attach things that have the attached rule, which is completely different. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So, like, Squire can go on uh, Haley, Haley 3, that kind of stuff. Yep. The uh, War Dog is always on Butcher 3, so... <sighs> yep. <laughs> so there yep. we are. So, so those ones are all all good to attach up there. Those are great, but the uh, the generic kind of weapon attachments and unit atta- or command attachments are what you cannot attach to Warcaster units. Awesome. Oh. Uh, another thing uh, I wanted to ask about, uh, I know the answer, but I want to ask you about it. Um, sure. 
because this comes up a lot, and it came up in Mark Two and Mark Three pretty often, is uh, for those things like attachments, like Squire, things like that. Um, when are they count? When or are they ever counted as battle group models? Uh, I don't think they ever are. What about in the case of like the ones that are like Daryllus for Morton Ebra? Who's oh. technically an attachment she has to take? Sure, man, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. there are some very specific ones. Like I know the Deathwalker is right yeah. for for Warshade. Yeah, and the corollary is because it's also a Warjack. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 that yeah. for sure. Um, but I'm gonna I'm, let me pull it up and, and figure it out for you. All right, that's one that comes I mean, up a lot. Cause... That's the best thing to do, right? Like when you have a rules question and you don't know the answer, pull it up and look. Look it up. It's in the Read the comments. Yeah, that is step one. That's true. Yeah, that's one that's actually been asked a lot in uh, Mark ah. Mark Three. I see that question constantly. So, so what it is is instead of the attached rule, which does not make it part of the battle group, it is the companion rule. Yes. So it says this model is included uh-huh. in any Marmy that includes Asphyxius the Hellbringer, because I'm looking at Pacifron here. If Asphyxius is <laughs> destroyed or removed from play, removes this model from play, this model is part of Asphyxius's battle group. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, that, so we, now we know if you have a model with companion, as long as it's with Asphyxius the Hellbringer, it's in its battle group. Uh, correct. Yeah. We did have that errata where we had to take uh, Scrapjack away from Old Witch 2 and 3. That was pretty funny. Yeah, I did see that. Nobody saw that one coming. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I always love those posts when they come up in like the Facebook and stuff where they're like, technically you can do that. And it's like, yeah, but don't. <laughs> You're, like, <laughs> You're correct. But... Strictly speaking, like, we'll, we'll get to saying. that one in the next. <laughs> scrap, scrapjack with his little baby scrapjack running around. <laughs> scrapjacklings. I love it. Yeah, it's perfect. It's old, old witch four with her scrapjacklings. Yes. The huge one splits into about 20 little ones. They're like shamblers. <laughs> That could be entertaining. It's our first lesser <laughs> warjack. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So anyway, that's our rule of the week. Nice quick one to touch Ooh. on about how all that stuff works. So basically, uh, the rest of this particular cast is bug Will Pagani time. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mainly, there's kind of two subjects in general I wanted to talk about. Um, firstly, we just want to talk about themes, because that's obviously kind of the, the thing on everybody's minds right now. Um, last, uh, I don't know what day of the week it was, but the 29th of September. Friday. Yeah, it was Friday because it was, yeah. it was crunch time. Yep. Um, we had the massive theme force drop. Now this, uh, people like take protectorate. We were obviously very excited because of faithful masses coming out, which was, you know, a pretty big deal for us. Um, a few other factions knew some of their themes that were coming out. And on top of that, we got extra excited because there was changes to old themes we didn't expect. Like, suddenly I'm playing two units of Temple Flame Guard in my orange <laughs> What the heck happened? Yep. Yeah. So we just wanted to bug Will a little bit about about that whole process now that you're not trapped in the middle of all of it. <laughs> oh, man, it was so much. Yeah, I, it sounds like it. Oof. And Maybe. especially with the, the Trencher update, which is really what kind of held us back, is we couldn't uh, start inputting a lot of the theme stuff. And until the trencher stuff was out. So we, oh, we really okay. just went crazy uh, after Tuesday when we launched the trencher stuff and putting everything into War Room and all that kind of stuff. So, so. a lot of it was, was like War Room implementation then? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So all that stuff has to be done by hand. Uh, and uh, Hungerford, myself, and Jack just kind of went to town for three or four days. Nice. And then once we finished up, we started trolling everybody on Twitter. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, still... I, was, I was impressed I was you guys there. got it out yeah. in time between going out for Indian and ice cream and taking naps and stuff. But... <laughs> Anybody who wasn't on the Discord by, by the missed out. <laughs> by the time we were posting that stuff, like Dev was was done with our that's, portion. Of it. That's kind of what we thought. We were, we were actually talking about that in our little chat thing. Like they're probably they've probably been done for hours at this point. They're just there's other stuff going on. Yep. Yep. So we wanted to start off with a nice nice fluffy question. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's not really fluff, but uh, what favorite themes can you think of from each or several factions? You don't have to go through all of them, but sure. What themes excite you? Uh, well, I mean, I'm obviously very excited about Guardians of the Temple, right? Like I've been posting about that everywhere, and it's mm-hmm. it's really really sweet. Uh, but I'm also really excited, for example, our interdiction. Like I love Harbinger, and I love Harbinger specifically with Bastions. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think they get a pretty bad rap at the moment. That's true. Uh, and and I'm. I don't know. I'm I'm really excited for like double battle engines, double bastions with Harbinger and it's just kind of really, go. Oh my it's gosh! It's a really cool list. You know, it is. Like it, I've it, played it a couple times. It's so much fun. Yeah. Like it may not be the most competitive list, but you can definitely pull out some wins against like Warjack lists with it because they don't like uh, like they don't like martyrdom, right? They don't get very many attacks, yeah. so martyrdom's high value. 
you can take a piper now, so you can really get tough to those models and that kind of stuff. And that that just always makes me happy playing Herbinger with those kind of things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for Cador, I am super excited for Armored Core, yeah. uh, which is the the Mana War one. Uh, unfortunately, it's because of a lot of the new models that are coming right. out. Right, and, and so that's I one that... The, about it. Yeah, the the theme itself uh, seems fine, but it, it seems like that one is really all about all the changes coming in for Mana Wars and, and all the exciting <laughs> stuff coming in for that. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, we, we spoiled a little bit of it in the Insider a while back when we were we were yeah. spoiling themes, where we talked about the, the Bombardier UA and the, I think it was the, the, the Battle Engine, I'm forgetting the name of it, because we actually, I think, just changed it. But chariot thing. The Assault Chariot, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we, we spoiled a little bit about those two things, but we're, there, there's a lot of stuff coming for that, like the tankers are really sweet, I can't really yeah. talk about it, fortunately, uh, but I'm very excited for those. We saw the models for the first time down in the, uh, down in the studio a couple of days ago, and they just, oh man, I'm going to have to build a Man War Army. They look yeah. so good. Yeah, and, and that, I think that one's exciting for a lot of uh, like Kator players that have been playing forever because I feel like a lot of people got drawn in on those those Man War type models and those just big tanky mm-hmm. you know steam driven guys and and it's just it's not really played out well for some time so that uh well, that I mean shock troopers shock troopers are I think very undervalued at the moment um, yeah unfortunately the other guys the, the bombardiers and the, uh, the demo core they die pretty easily to shooting and it's hard to kind of deliver them. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully with some stuff coming out that we'll be able to to get that all done and uh, with like two units of shock troopers, a lot to deal with those. Maybe you can deliver your units that way. So sure. I, I do hope to see a lot out of armored core. Uh, as far as Kricks goes, I'm a big fan of Black Industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you followed me back at the very end of Mark II, I was playing a lot of Warship One with like four or five heavies. Yeah, and I remember that actually. Yeah. Like right at the very beginning of Mark II was big for me. Uh, and both those play very well in Black Industries, so that that makes me happy that I can kind of go back to those lists and and play with those models and have it feel really strong and really powerful. For sure. Uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through my document here, and whenever I hit one, I'm going to talk about it. Sounds good. <laughs> um, Legions of Dawn is crazy. If you're paying attention on the Ret Facebook groups, they figured out that like Hydras can blow up the world, which is I think really fun. <laughs> like Jack Marshall Hydras are great, but you got to protect that Jack Marshall or it gets really sad. And I think that's just a really cool little mini game inside of uh, the normal game of War Machine is protecting yeah. that. Yeah, I've actually I've I've played against some uh, Jack Marshall Hydra stuff before, uh, just in the last like few months, and they're way scarier than you think. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean they, they're Jack Marshalls that get focused. Like that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think Red has probably the best Jack Marshalls in the game because of all of those mechanics that have power up and stuff. Yeah. And that's really... are, they hit hard. <laughs> and uh clockwork legions for convergence that's another big one for me i have tons and tons and tons of convergence infantry sitting on a shelf behind me and i'm really excited to finally have a theme force to play it all in uh, i love aurora and that theme force it's it's great 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 yeah. uh, i love the changes to band of heroes like allowing uh fin blaze and stuff into the free point units that kind of stuff all i think really opens up that list and makes it really cool yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. That one's gotten a lot more interesting. And then a fourth circle. I'm excited yeah. about all. Of them. <laughs> the homeland, right? I say. What can I say? <laughs> and then scorn. Like most of them are just cool. Like that yeah, mission's think... journey for Mark Three has been really entertaining. <laughs> it has. It has. It's it's come a long way. It's come a long way. Uh, Disciples of Agony to me is probably the most interesting theme force we've ever released. Yeah, because right. it's so different than every other theme force in the entire game. It basically says you get to play a different faction for one of your lists, mm. uh, which is to me very exciting, right? Like it, it gives a ton of variety. It, it opens up a lot of stuff that we can do with scorn and opens up a lot of stuff that the scorn players can do. So yeah. I'm excited to see where people end up with that one and what kind of lists come out of disciples. For sure. Well, and it's like I said, I, I mean, I, I was looking at scorn lists cause I really, really like the Gator stuff, and I've always had a thing for the constructs in uh, in Scorn. I, I don't their aesthetic doesn't really speak to me for the most part, but I love the construct stuff. So the Exalted coming out was pretty awesome as well. And then Masters of War, their their in uh, Cataphracting Force is mm-hmm. just super good. Like yep, yep. it's it's everything they want, and it has very powerful special rules. Yeah, so. I played against it three times this week, and I'm just like, ugh, that thing is hard. Yeah, it's a very strong list. Yep. Very, very strong. And I'm I'm all for 
aside from a couple of my casters, I'm all for more RFP getting slowly added because. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly something that is pretty sparse in the game right now. Yeah. Uh, so more of it going in certainly helps balance out a couple things. So. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, for Legion, I'm a big Children of the Dragon guy. I really like Nephilim soldiers, like how they look, mm-hmm. uh, what they look like, stuff, and I think they work really, really well on that list. Um, and then, of course, Primal Terrors with all the new stuff that I can't talk about. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's that one's been kind of fun. You, you get a lot of people kind of gut reacting to that one, and it's like there's just a lot we can't say about it yet. Like it's yeah. it's so hard to tell what Primal Primal Terrors is going to look like in a year, you know? And I, I mean, it's <clears throat> Yeah, right. Like, like this this theme drop was not about uh, necessarily releasing themes that are all competitively viable right now, yeah. because we do like this is the themes for the next several years, right? Like, this is this is what we did with this, and and we did that so that people wouldn't have to wait to be able to play specific models if they wanted to, and you can see that a lot in those two Crix theme forces. Uh, I think it's Slaughter Fleet Raiders and yeah, where there's. Uh... So the, the, shard, is one of, the shard one, yeah. They just there's like nothing out for it, and it's kind yeah, of like, it gets like yeah. it gets like three units and two solos. <laughs> like that's basically <laughs> not a complete theme force, right? Like yeah. there's more stuff coming for that. So people that are that are getting upset about that theme force, like just just wait, man. Like we're we're not done. Yeah. We we did this not 100 knowing that these theme forces are not complete, and uh, you will get your stuff soon. Is is the hope, and I mean soon is relative, right? Like some of these theme forces might be years before they hit CID and get their stuff, but at least you know what's coming and you can play with the other models that are in the theme forces now without having to wait three years for the theme force or something, right? For sure. Like that's that's sort of the hope behind this is that people can play with the stuff they want to play with now without having to wait an incredibly long time uh, of for some of these. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then we got Blindwater is pretty awesome right now, but a lot of that's to me right now is all the stuff going through CID because it's mm-hmm. very cool, and I'm sure Hungerford is just insufferable. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> just like sits next to me at work, and he like taps me on the shoulder, and he's like Blindwater. Blindwalkers <laughs> for ten points. I get it. He's like, no, no, no. Blindwalkers. Like, oh my god. <laughs> it's gonna be fine, dude. He's like, dude, Barnabas too. I'm like, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm aware funny. these things exist. Yes, thank yep. you. <laughs> thank he's you he's very excited about it, and it kind of rubs off on everybody in the office, right? Like, I'm sure we all get yeah. excited about the things that we're doing, and it's it's great. It's yeah. great. Yep. Yeah, we have a long long standing uh, minions player in my meta who's been playing forever, so he's been having just a great time playing around with everything. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And of course, we'll work for food. That one That's is good. that one is frightening to go second against. <laughs> I, it's very um, fast. It applies a lot of pressure. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta have a list that can really deal with that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's great for minions to finally have a questions list, which is something that I think they've been missing for a very long time. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of other factions can ask difficult questions, but minions have always kind of felt like they were always trying to answer those questions instead of asking their own. Yeah. I don't well, actually think about this theme force as will work for food because in my head it's just Avengers Assemble. That's exactly yeah, what I think the, every time I see Avengers it. Avengers type list. Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, a lot of. I mean, the minion stuff is just a really cool place right now. I'm really, to be honest, the Blindwater CID has made me really excited for Thornfall like eventually someday because mm-hmm. just the creativity of a lot of the new stuff is so wacky that you're just like, alright, I want to see how this applies to piggies, because that's that's where the really silly stuff usually is. It's yep, all it's the Arcadius space. faction. Yep, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy. So, you guys, I don't know if this is very answerable, but when was it you started working on the dev team? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, it was last November. It was last November. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how far along a lot of the themes uh, were, if, or if, like if you were uh, at any point really involved in actually starting working on any of them, like when they were first coming out or first uh, being developed, I guess. But how is it you guys, what, when a new theme is, like when you want to make some kind of a new theme, where do you guys start? Like what do you think about going into that process? Uh, well, usually there's sort of what models are going to be included in this theme. So, like, what's our what's our goal here, right? So, like, uh, Wolves of Winter was one that was made while I was there, and it was sort of like, cool. Well, we have these Orgoth dudes, right? So we have like the the 
the Doom Reavers using the Orgoth swords. We have the sort of occult Grey Lord guys, and we want to bring both those into a theme. So we're like, cool, okay. So what units are going to be included? These guys. What kind of benefits would we want to see with those guys? So usually it's sort of, is it going to be a battle group list or is it going to be a unit list? Uh, and then we'll kind of move down the line a little bit. What kind of bonuses do we want to see? Is there one of those units that doesn't currently see a bunch of play that we could give a benefit to that would make it sort of a cornerstone of this list and open up options for it? Uh, so that's kind of where you see like the Temple Flame Guard picking up. Uh, no knockdown tough while they're base to base in Guardians of the Temple, right? Like yeah. not too many people are playing Temple Flame Guard right now. That change is easy. It doesn't add a lot of complication, and it certainly makes Temple Flame Guard very playable. Uh, so for Wolves of Winter, right, like you get the Apparition move. Uh, that's great for um, both types of unit in that list. Like that's great for your Doom Reaver Swordsman. Uh, it's also great for like Outriders or Turnian or that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So that's that's a, a benefit that works for both. And then we kind of just keep going down. So like, okay, now we need a, a type of a, a setup benefit or like a ease of play or quality of life benefit. Cool, you can start with your upkeeps in play. Uh, and and we usually try and theme these things to the different theme forces, right? So like, uh, if you look at Storm of the North, you get free upkeeps on Northkin models. So a lot of those troll casters are very low fury. So we get like Fury 5 Orcas, we get uh, Fury 5 Madrax, right? So yeah. that free keep is very important. And then it sort of plays into the whole Shaman role of the Northkin stuff, because we have like the Northkin Shaman, we have the new uh, Krillstone guy, like all that kind of stuff. To me, screams very like shamanistic magic, uh, that kind of stuff. Right. So that's that's sort of how these things develop is off of a concept, off of an idea that someone will have, and we'll kind of run with it and see where we end up. And of course, there's tons of iterations of these things, right? Like we've played, I don't know, ten or fifteen different versions of some theme forces. Yeah. And like uh, for Grimkin specifically, with Bump in the Night and Dark Menagerie, originally the theme force benefit that started you with a corpse was in Bump in the Night, not Dark Menagerie. Because uh, we were like, well, it's got a bunch of dudes, so they're going to have corpses because a bunch of dudes died around them. But then we are like, well, hold on. That theme force doesn't really need that benefit. The other one really does. Mm-hmm. So we ended up swapping uh, that with, I think, the Ambushing Murder Crows. I think is that one ended up. But, That's interesting. <clears throat> which means that uh, Dark Menagerie also had Murder Crows in it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, like, man. These are sort of the things that end up happening with this. these theme forces. They go through testing, and we test them for a very long time. Like, I don't think any of these theme forces are particularly new. Uh, yeah, I mean... We have, we have a couple that are, I guess, months old, but none that are any newer than that, really. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like it's been a hectic process. <laughs> I mean, it's not really hectic. Like, it's just how it works, right? Like, For sure. If, if you see the madness of the CID forums, uh, and you're yeah. like, oh, this is so much information and so much stuff to go through, like, that's just every day for us in development. <laughs> like, people are like, we need a break. And I'm like, exactly. You do. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We're gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we too. we hear tales of Pagani walking around at events with stacks of papers still going through and <laughs> trying oh. to read all the CID stuff. Oh yeah, I'll sit there with my laptop behind the reg desk and stuff and just just keep reading feedback, man. All day, they read all yep. of it. Pagani responds <laughs> to a remarkable amount of it. Yeah, Jack and I read a lot of battle reports. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> oh. Awesome. So in one of the, the kind of transitional things from, from Mark II to Mark III that I think a lot of people didn't expecting was, and it's kind of what you guys have said, uh, talking about themes as the building block of list construction, right? What mm-hmm. led you guys in that direction as far as how Mark III is meant to be played? Uh, well, I think there's several factors. Um, one, it helps out with development because when we are working on, say, like the, the trencher forces, right? We were able to work on, um, the new long gunners. We were able to work on the trencher officer or the trencher commando officer. We were able to work on the blockhouse, uh, hitch, like the patrol dog. We were able to do like five models or six models or even more. I don't even remember how many were in that le- release. It was a bunch, uh, all at once. And whereas before those six or seven models may have been spread out between two anthology books, Mm -hmm. uh, it really let us work on all of them at the same time, which I think overall gives a much more cohesive force and a much more uh, planned out and 
uh, well-executed sort of ideology between all of them. Uh, much more consistent, I guess, is the right word. Uh, so that's certainly one thing for, for theme forces from a development point of view. But it, it also is great for new players because it's smaller bites for them to chunk into uh, and learn about and that kind of stuff. It's easier for marketing. Uh, I mean, there's there's a bunch of reasons why why breaking down into smaller little chunks like theme forces are are good for the game and good for privateer presses. One of the things that uh, I don't remember who I was talking to at Lockamo, but it wasn't one of the devs. We were looking at all the Grimkin stuff because it was brand new, and we were like, "Holy smokes, the scale on these models all makes perfect sense." Like the dread rods are way bigger than the Hollow Men. The piggybacks are gigantic. Everything looks like they fit into the same army. Whereas a lot of the older stuff, it's like well, those trolls are huge, and those trolls are tiny. And I think that might also be one of the benefits, is that you get to sort of design all the models at the same time, so they all get to be, you know, in the same scale with each other. I mean, absolutely, right? And then you also get, of course, the studio painters, right? They get to paint them all at the same time, so they can make them all look the same. Like, there's there's so many benefits for doing things in little chunks instead of, like, these anthology books where you get, like, two or three models per faction at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and I can imagine that. It's, you're... In a way, you get to a point where when pretty much everything's handled in themes, a lot of the balance can be structured around that. And balancing, you know, especially as I've thought about this you know, over the years, is if this is a game that keeps growing at the rate it's in, the factions all get out of control you know, after X number of years. We just keep getting more and more releases. So being able to break it down, I can understand that's, even from a, from a balance perspective at the very least, certainly a lot more, a lot more manageable. Yeah, I, and I mean, when, when you start looking at stuff, right, like it's it's really opened up a lot of space for players to play different things because if Faithful Masses didn't exist, even with the changes that we made to Deliverers or Zealots, it's very unlikely that they would ever really see play. But because of Faithful Masses, you can, like you can create a space for models that didn't exist previously because of the restrictions of the theme force. And and that lets us people use their whole collections. It lets them use models that they haven't used in years, maybe even a decade for some people, right? Like yeah, it it, it just it lets us do so much. Uh and it it's in my opinion it's very good for the community because it allows us to make little spots for things that would not normally see play. Yeah. Yeah. The uh the Menoth Discord has been really funny. The amount of times you've seen people go, oh, I'm waiting on my other unit of deliverers, and I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> Especially the word another unit. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I mean, I got my first unit just recently, and I was like, well, here they are, deliverers. Yeah. I'm looking at two two boxes of deliverers about five feet away from me right now. So, yeah. I mean, exactly, right? Like, And I think that's sort of one of the, the benefits of themes is it, it gives them a home. It gives them a place to play. Well, even one of the things, and I, I was talking about Menoth because that's obviously my perspective, but um, the one of the changes we were we were surprised about when Faithful Masses dropped was the addition of the Avatar mm-hmm. into there. Um, it's always been a rough piece in Creator's Might because of its design, right? You, you're taking Creator's Might, you're taking Battle Group Casters, so it tended to be a little awkward. But in Faithful Masses, I was like, this actually has a home here. And that's surprising because it hasn't had a home really, in, aside from the list I was playing, I guess, a little bit, but it hasn't really had a home in Mark III, and suddenly it's interesting, you know, j- just by that addition in there. Um, and and I, I remember a big thing about Protector, it was everyone was like, why would I ever play the Avatar when I have the Eye of Truth? Like, well, um, now you understand. Now you understand why. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's, and there's so much, there's so much about the little context, that, like a lot of the casters running Faithful Masses are tending to be ones who, who don't love having to fuel a Warjack too much, uh, don't really have battle group benefits, things like that. So it just it just fit in really really well, and I was like, oh, might actually start start working that in there. Um, I also think jacks like the Sanctifier, which have never really San- seen play. Oh, Sanctifier I- has been yeah. Talk about a jack just coming out of nowhere. Um, yeah, Mass has made that jack into like a prime jack to own for Protectorate, yep. and it's yep. it's so good. I mean, I've always played it with like Thyra because everything's good with Thyra, but. Um, and she doesn't want to get focused. And she doesn't want to get focused on anything, so it's kind of the, the perfect jack. Like her and like Resnick One is pretty good with, I think. But um, but like now, just like any caster, like you can't really go wrong throwing a sanctifier in, and especially in faithful masses because it's going to get the plus two. In plus faithful, two. right? Infantry for it, like it's it's going to do so much. You don't have a lot of magic weapons, so getting rid of incorporeal is very strong. So it, I think that jack is kind of the once again the perfect example 
of something that was never really played before that because of theme forces can now be played. Yeah. So one question that I had, this is my, my bit of curiosity. So in it was during uh, tr- Northkin CID that the Mercs and Minions thing first popped up, right? Yep. Um, now, originally, uh, the idea was to be like a core rules change, essentially, a change to how theme forces worked, to be like they're, they allow, I think at the time it was, what, one Merc solo unit and battle engine? Which, <laughs> yep. Um, and then that actually got taken down fairly quickly, uh, after, I mean, there's a lot of discussion around it, but we saw it go down, um, and there was a decision to kind of go through it more fine tooth and, and take the time with it. What, I guess, kind of what were you guys thinking during that process? Like what, what made you think that that was going to be the better way to handle it? Well, we were, we were looking at it and we were like, okay, this is a really cool idea. And it really opens up a lot of stuff. Uh, it creates a massive diversity inside of theme forces while also keeping it very simple. Because uh, once again, we talked about new players, right? Like they only have to learn about a couple things in a theme force. They have to learn maybe 30, 35 models instead of like 246 models or something. Yeah. Uh, so it gives them these little bite-sized chunks. And then if you say, hey, you can also take one Merc, they're going to be like, oh, cool, what Merc should I take? And then they can add one kind of like flavor piece into their list that's outside of the normal the normal little bits. Uh, so we're like, oh, this is a really cool idea and really great, worth exploring. And then we posted it up. And then all the questions started coming in and all of the stuff. And we really like sat down and thought about it. And we're like, hold on, this is way bigger than we think it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is fine. You can just take a solo unit and a battle engine. This is whatever. Who cares? Oh, God. <laughs> so, so it became something uh, that started off as sort of a very small idea that was like, oh, wouldn't this be neat? And turned into something that was like, oh, this is not only neat, this is incredible. And this is going to be a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So, so what, what basically ended up happening was we were like, hold on, we, we know we want to do this. We don't really need to see how do this any further. Uh, we don't know how we want to put it in and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like right now. So we pulled it out of CID because we're like, we, we can't really accept feedback on it because we don't know what we want from it yet. So that, that, that is kind of what happened there. And I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with where it ended up. I think we're in a fantastic place right now. Yeah. For theme forces and Merc inclusion and how all that stuff worked out. It, it opened a lot of things up, definitely. And, uh, I mean, it seems like for the most part, uh, kind of the assumption is that every theme force has, you know, one Merc solo, one Merc unit. And then there's some of the weird ones, like, uh, obviously, like, Disciples of Agony or, or um, <laughs> yeah. some other kind of odds and ends that... Like heavy metal engines and no solos. <laughs> so that, that one's strange, right? Like, you can take the, the Siege Crawler. Yeah. Let me tell you, just for a minute there, when, when we had that in CID, when it was just solo unit battle engine, I had a moment where I didn't realize that the Siege Crawler didn't work for Protectorate. Jaden remembers this. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like the best I, five minutes I, of my I, life. I know. I thought that it did, and I was all in on Forge Guard Vindictus. Like, yep. <laughs> like all in. I was like, oh my god, and they're going to come back because of the Siege Crawler. And I had like and a True good... Path and... In True Path. And I had like a good like half hour of just like, oh, this would be awesome. And then I tried to like feed it into War Room, and it was like, yeah, you can't take that model. And I was like, my dreams are crushed. <laughs> it's all over. Talk about Forge Guard, though. This is sort of off random here, but um, sure. we've been talking about, a bunch of Protector people have been talking about taking Forge Guard and Guardians. Mm-hmm. And it sounds wonderful. And I was like, nobody plays that unit. And I think this is an awesome spot for it. So it's just, it's exciting how many different, like, weird things you can start adding into lists. Because everybody defaults to Idrians and Protectorate, but there's other units out there. There, there really are, cool. right? Like, and, and I think pretty much any Harbinger list loves them because she can martyr them the Attendant Priest, which keeps them from the faction, uh, which is always awesome. That's one of the things that I love. I don't know. Yeah, she also has... Uh, and Guided Hand is so good on them. Oh, my it's God. It's so <laughs> dumb. Insane. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I think Forge Guard is definitely a unit that's very usable in Protector. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it's kind of in a funny spot as we're prepping for War Machine Weekend where I'm sitting there looking at, at list builds. And, you know, th- there's the usual stuff we've been taking for forever. It's like, all right, what's my... How am I going to fight Signar? How, how am I going to fight Ghost Fleet kind of a thing? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I really have no idea. <laughs> like, I just don't know what's going to show up at all at this point. Well, I mean, because everything's so off the rails right now. I, I know a lot of people are... are... Uh, currently tilting because of like the WTC results for Ghost Fleet and Ghost and stuff, but 
like Band of Heroes and Masters of War from Trolls and Scorn yeah. uh, just got really, really good. And yeah. both of those theme forces mm-hmm. are very difficult for Crix to play into, especially with those two theme forces, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and even in, you know, I've, I've said for a while, Protectorate is, is poised to be a predator for those lists as well. We just need a couple more things. And, and the Deliverer change is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, just like the, Resnick 2 with Resnick delivers. 2 and that, it's just, uh, it's like the nuclear arsenal into any kind of infantry list, and it's just <laughs> wonderful. I just need all those pie plates in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Time. If I don't get at least 10 different lists from Chandler in the space of about eight hours, I start to worry about them a little bit. <laughs> And, and you're seeing it a lot in the Facebook groups right now. And people are like, well, I can't decide what to play because I have so many options. I'm like, excellent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's true. And and you see a lot of people posting lists. And they're just like, is this good? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's yeah. just like, I have no idea right now. <laughs> like, it's everything. There's so many things that are just available. And it's just opening up more and more. It's really weird to be over here in Grimkin land because I'm just like, I'm going to keep playing this stuff. And I'm going to choose the Arcana that I want. And you're still going to think it's too good. But whatever. <laughs> We'll get there. It's, it's very strong, uh, but it is certainly going to get weaker as people learn how to play against it. That's a thing. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a faction that, like, that faction will get you if you do not know what they do. But when you do, there's so much good, like, back-and-forth play on every yep. turn. Um, I, I think Grimkin is, like, the best 50-50 scenario if both players know what the faction does. Like, it's the, it's the best 50-50 matchup well, faction in the game. So this is something that I, I've talked to the... Uh, Jaden and Brett a bit uh, about a little bit, but um, I feel like Mar- since I mean I've played for I don't know five ish years, so most of my experience was with you know Mark two and now into Mark three. Um, the game for a really long time, from like a competitive competitive perspective, has been kind of all about hunting for that like seventy thirty matchup in everything, right? Like oh this is you know this is the counter to this, and this is the thing you bring to to just stomp this kind of a thing. And it's funny because I'm finding a lot of people are finding a lot of matchups. They're like, this doesn't seem good. This doesn't seem as good as I think it should be and, and over and over again. And it's because I'm realizing that it's because all of these matchups are like 50-50. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they're actually yeah. balanced. Weird. Yeah. I, I think we are entering sort of the, the golden age of Mark III War Machine. Like, I, I think we're finally at the point where all the themes are out. Everything is where we want it to be. And, yeah, like, we can really start aggressively playing these lists, iterating through them, and finding the real competitive lists of the, the edition. Yeah, well, that's what, what I had said for a while, was that until we get, you know, uh, all the themes out, you know, all that kind of a thing, we're not really in Mark III as it was intended yet. SR well, and SR-2017. And SR-2017, yeah. that was the big one I said for a long time. But um, it feels like this is kind of where the game's supposed to be, aside from, of course, the, the kind of gaping hole models that, we don't have yet because they're still in production and whatnot and still in development. But And there's a little bit there, but I think for the most part we're in a... Yeah, it's not a lot of things. Open information zone at the moment. Yeah. But as far as like the Man of War and the Ogre Run and things like that, there's definitely stuff we're, we're still waiting on. But for the most part, like, everything's... It's just funny because we've all been in that, like, I need the, the way better matchup for me mentality for so long that 50-50, you're like... It's a terrible matchup. <laughs> Some people just have that habit, I guess. And I, I remember when, when we were going to Ireland for WTC, and uh, we were sitting in a pub in Ireland right before the event, and people were like, well, how's your matchup into this? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's all right. I can play it. I'm like, what, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to win? I mean, well, it means I can play it. Like, we'll see how the game goes. <laughs> well, what does that mean? I'm like, it means I'm going to play the game. <laughs> if I'm, be- how if I'm better than the other guy and don't get super unlucky, then I will win. That's how it'll play. Yeah, like, it, it's like, I understand the matchup. I know what I need to do. We'll play it. Yeah. Like, yep. well, but what's your win percentage? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that guy does. Like, I don't know how the player is. Especially when you're so, going overseas, yeah. right? Like, I remember, this is kind of harkening back a little bit, but I remember uh, Runes of War back in Mark II. Uh, there was a big thing about um, that list kind of, people were almost considering it solved in a respect. Like, you know, like, oh, you just bring these counters and it works. And then it was like somebody in Europe just started, like, playing it different. He just would, like, lead with the heavies instead of the rune shapers, and it just, like, destroyed everybody. And it was just like, oh, like, huh. It's just played a little different, and suddenly it's, like, a whole other matchup. And... Yep. And William Trishanks was the, uh, I think, Scottish player? I'm going to get yelled at if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty uh, sure he's Scottish. Yeah, I believe so. Uh and he was sort of the guy that popularized elemental evolutionism 
whatever E, whatever that was actually called. Yeah. Oh, that was so much fun to play. Just <clears throat> and he up. he sort of was the guy that found that, and it's it's a very similar thing. Right? Like there's there's these little hidden gems all over the game that people, including us, I'm sure, don't even know exist. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yep. Well, that was more or less the section about themes we wanted to go over. Talked about that for a little <laughs> while now. We just wanted to we wanted to talk about CID a little bit because sure. I know that probably occupies a lot of your mind space. It certainly does, yeah. especially right when when like the cycle's on. My wife will be like, "Stop checking your phone." I'm like, "But I'm on the CID form." <laughs> like I have to. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to do it on work hours, but it's there, and I want to read stuff. <laughs> I know. For me, I'm like a battle report junkie. Like, that's a big part of the reason that I started writing battle reports is because I love to read them. And so CID forums for me are just like basically written crack because it's like, oh, look, I can go read all these battle reports. (laughs) (laughs) So many. Yeah. So for a lot of people posting on CID, uh, you obviously have a lot of stuff going through there. And uh, some of it's probably more useful than other things. But um, as far as what what kind of feedback can you submit that it's typically going to receive the most consideration when you're posting your stuff for uh for cid uh battle reports is certainly the best and and i don't necessarily mean just like post the battle report and then just like disappear right or reports and then reasonably drawn conclusions that are relevant to that battle report right right like we had a we had a report today where Mm -hmm. someone played harvest 2 into grimkin Ah, uh, yes. We know the one you're talking about. Yeah. We had a conversation. I'm like, I mean, that might be true, but what does that have to do with your battle report? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. like you, you tested into living models. You didn't test into constructs. And, I mean, we're, we're aware that execration doesn't work on constructs. So, like, playing a game into Karchev 10 heavies and being like, it didn't work on them. <laughs> Because they're con- like we don't gain anything from that, right? Like, <laughs> right. like we we know that it doesn't work on constructs. Uh, we're well, still currently deciding on that one specifically. Like, is that what we want? Like, do right. we do we want to have that drawback <clears throat> built into it? So like, uh, and and read our posts. <laughs> that that is definitely something that a lot of people don't do. Is is we will respond to people, and we will say, hey, this is a good idea. You should keep going this direction. Or this isn't a good idea, and this is why. Or just this isn't a good idea, and we won't say why, because a lot of the times we either can't or don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> it is is certainly something that happens in CID a lot. But uh, battle reports with logic based on what happened in your game is important. Uh, that's probably the most important. The feedback form after that, with links to your battle report, assessing each of the different models in your battle report, is probably the second most. Uh, and then theory and list building is, of course, going to be the last, like the, the bottom one, right? Like, we can all just go in there and talk about stuff, but if we're not actually playing games and seeing how it works on the table, it's not nearly as valuable as some of these other other things. Yeah. Well, and I think what's probably, what I would expect to be really useful about battle reports is even, because obviously you have the section for your conclusions in there, um, but even without that, there's stuff you can take objectively from it, just reading over it, like, hey, this is stuff that I, I see that maybe wasn't the conclusion you got, but... Mm-hmm. you know, was in there and it's something to note. So turns out that actually just putting models on the table is the most useful thing for getting information about how the game works. <laughs> no I mean, way. It really is. And <clears throat> and I mean, sometimes you don't have to, right? Like, expiration doesn't work against constructs. Like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so don't try but, and do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that's not going to work out. And and you want to play that match, but you don't want to be like execrations to work on constructs. Be like because execration didn't work on constructs, these things happened in my game. Right, and, and, and that you can... kind of way to get that feedback in in a meaningful and impactful way. Right, and the development team can then draw their conclusion on whether or not that's a good thing or not. You know, correct, correct, yeah, and and uh, also saying things like, well, this would be better if it had plus one strength. Yes. That's why I bring Severius <laughs> 1. Correct. Correct. That would be better if its stats were better. Like, that, that kind of feedback is, is fine, but that's not going to be, like, very uh, impactful when we're reading stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, unless it's backed up by logic, right? So if it's yeah. like, the Swamp Horror is only POW 12, and it's a 16-point Warbeast, uh, if it was POW 13, it would be more equivalent to these other different options, 
and its damage output with math would be this and this and this and this. Like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. We can read that and be like, okay, you don't just want plus one strength. You've actually thought this out and done some math for us and showed your work, basically. Man, so, my high school English teachers would be loving this right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't just make a statement. You have to make a statement and then back it up, right? Like, saying something is great, but without the evidence to back up why that thing is great or why that you think that change should happen, uh, that's what's important in CID. Because, uh, I mean, quite quite literally, the point of CID is for me to go on there and argue with people. Right? Like, I, I'm going to show up, and if your feedback is... ABC is awesome. I'm going to ask you why ABC is awesome. And then I'm going to fight with you about why I don't think ABC is awesome. Not even if I don't think ABC isn't awesome, right? Like, I, yeah, I'm just going to be devil's advocate to get the conversation you going. You got to force the conversation, right? Yeah. And, and get the, the conflict that is inherent in CID going. Also, don't get angry in CID. Like, <laughs> Like, there are so many users that get really angry with other users, and I think it's because people are not used to disagreeing with other people and having it not be personal. And not be, like, an argument, you know? like Correct, a, yeah. yeah like, like, fight. Yeah, yeah it, it's an argument, not <clears throat> right? Like, you're trying to get your point across, they're trying to get their point across. This does not necessarily mean that you two are butting heads and hate each other. Yeah. That's not what this means, so... Man, we should market this podcast as like a whole lot of other topics. <laughs> <laughs> How to yeah. live your life on the CID forums? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's yeah, it's an interest, it's an interesting environment because a lot of people maybe aren't used to. You know, I, I've followed different kinds of game developments for year, you know, since I was a kid, and um, if you're not kind of used to the sort of thinking that needs to go into that. Like people just go in swinging and they go in angry and that's how you end up with multiple people banned in the first hour of black waters <laughs> of blind water CID. So. Oh, there was some posts. I was something. We, we had a ban right off the bat. I don't oh, know. Oh, I know. I remember. Yeah. yeah. I read it. I, I love that. And this is, you know, because I get to be on the outside of it and not having to be trapped in the middle of it. But, um, like reading when a, when a CID first drops, like the first like two hours of the theory and list building section is like some of the wackiest stuff you'll ever read. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of a like, all right, pops popcorn. <laughs> We're opening up the forums because somebody's got I, something crazy to say. I, I don't remember what the the topic was about, but when we the first the first like thirty minutes of, of blind blind water CID, we had a, a ban that occurred. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that the first response post was just like, well, dot 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 bye. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, it, that's pretty clever. <laughs> it, there was, it was two posts. It was Barnabas 2 being utter trash and something else. Uh, the Bull Snapper. Bull Snapper being the worst war beast in the game. Yeah. Um, which, that little guy, like, he's five points, guys. He's not I know. That's somebody, it, so this is something that comes up a lot, I, I always think about with, like, uh, really, really cheap lights and things, is I feel like some that people really don't like... If you took that war beast and called it a solo that did everything else that it currently does, most people would be like, "Oh, this is really good for five points." <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, something it, about it, it, like being a war beast. People are like, "No, it's supposed to be like doing a bunch of damage," and it's like, "Well, no." <laughs> if, if you made it like a sixteen hit point, <laughs> five point solo that was a twelve fourteen that could like have two tokens a turn to boost with that was mat five pow twelve and like buffed other stuff around it, like. Thing would be insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah, there's this that that perception thing is interesting. People don't. Some people just have a hard time like stepping back and looking at it that way, and that kind of mm-hmm. in a more objective way. Because some things are just cheap because they're not supposed to be super crazy. <laughs> like, it's just yeah, supposed to be a uh, well, little I mean, like, tool you can bring. Like that little guy's one point. We don't really mm-hmm. want him to do a lot. <laughs> right. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we could make him do more, but then you'd have to cost more. And and there's a constant argument about that going on between players and stuff in CID. And and I really love those arguments where it's like, well, I want this to do this. And someone else is like, well, that's really good. So we can't just give it to him. So what are we going to do about it? Like, is he going to go up in points? Is he going to lose abilities? Like that kind of stuff is always the constant struggle of CID that I love. And I love reading all of that stuff because reading people's opinions on those things, uh, I think are fantastic. Like it, it really gives us a lot of perspective. Yeah, for sure. We already talked about this just a little bit, but how do you guys even sort through all the data you get? Like, what? How do you like compile that and get it into your brain? You know, uh, well, I will 
basically spend probably three to four hours a day reading CID forums. Uh, so we'll be reading the theory in this building. We'll be reading through the battle reports and stuff. Uh, and then usually twice a week, we'll compile all the data out of the feedback form into a giant spreadsheet and sort it by unit type. And then uh, we will have a dev meeting where everyone will sit down and go through it all. Seems pretty efficient. Yeah. Or as efficient it's, as it can be, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes a long time, but we get a lot of yeah. really good information about it. And I mean, I, for one, I'm incredibly impressed with what we've been able to do with CID and how it has positively affected the game. There's been very, there's been very few misses or, or strikes through CID. Almost every single thing that's come through it has just been at the very least solid, you know? Yep. And yeah, it's not really exciting, you know, just, yeah. Um, a, a lot of people, and I think this is fading over time, but earlier on with CID and in the first like handful of months and like after Grimkin and whatnot, um, there was a lot of concern about it, but I, I think the results kept speaking for themselves. Like people aren't, I don't see nearly as many complaints about the process, I guess, because people are saying that it works, you know, and that's, that's at the end of the day, what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So once something's actually gone through CID, about how much internal play testing do you guys do with it before you actually throw it out into the wild? Um, I mean, it, it definitely depends on the model, right? Yeah. Like I don't imagine to do too much with say the swamp horror. Yeah. Uh, we, we played a lot with it before CID. Um, maybe not a lot, but we played several games with it before CID, probably, I don't know, 15 or 20, uh, with the 4-inch reach. And we're like, okay, this thing's pretty dope. Uh, 16 points seems fine. And if it's CID and it ends up at 15 points, like we probably won't put it on the table again. <laughs> Legitimately. like <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to be like, hmm, it dropped one point. Yeah. Let's play 10 games, right? Like <laughs> That's not something we're going to do. Uh, but say like Barnabas, right? Like there's going to be, uh, he gained two hit points, he gained onslaught. Like we're going to probably play a bunch of games with him before it gets locked and sent to editing and design and all of those different departments that need him for his eventual release. So it, it certainly depends on how much a model changes once it's been in CID, how much it will get tested. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I think we're going to close out on a, a fun question. What is your favorite example of a community-created rule that got through CID into final rules? Uh, well, I mean, territorial on the Dracodile. That's uh, the one I think is the coolest, too, to be yeah. honest, off the top of my head. <clears throat> I mean, it's the newest for me, uh, but right, we've had a lot yeah. of different ones. A lot of different ones. We had... Um, what were some of the other good ones? Hmm. I can imagine this being a hard thing to remember off the top of your head, given that well, and, and so much I go information. through so many every day, right? Like so right, is, exactly. Every day. <sighs> Territorial is just there because it's so new and fresh. Like it just happened two days ago or something, right? Yeah. No, and I think it's a great example. Like that. That to me actually did stand out when I when I saw it on on the week two. I was like, I I was there when that was talked about. You know, like <laughs> somebody just in the chat was like, this would be neat. And now it's like they're printed, you know, like yeah, now it's there, and yeah. I don't see that one going away. Like, yeah, that, no, that, no, I think it's I think it's a really reasonable rule for it, and it makes sense, and it's like yeah, all right, no, I think that's good. I, I think probably my favorite, at the very least from the last CID cycle, was the configuration rule on Orion. Mm, yeah, where he oh, can yeah. like swap the plus two to his Matt and Rat. That was a, a player suggestion as well. Wow. That's a really I, sweet role, too. I really like that one. It, I yeah. think that pretty much perfectly like encapsulates his flavor as a character. It's a very powerful rule, and it's very simple. So I, I like every aspect of that rule. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of that Sturm and Drang type thing, right? Although a little less extreme than that guy, but yeah, Sturm, Sturm and Drang is is a very complicated, uh, <laughs> which is something that we try to avoid. Like we don't want yeah. Make things that you have to read a textbook. To well, I mean, look at look at Jaga Jaga's feet, right? <laughs> we I, have, I, oh man, yeah, that that feat is turning out to be very difficult to write. I I bet, yeah, because um, the current wording in CID actually doesn't function at all, which no yeah. one's actually figured out yet. Mm-hmm. But like you you so you pick an enemy model and you remove a friendly model within five inches of it from all of them, and then they take a pow equal to the armor, but who takes which pow? Oh, I get you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah okay. It doesn't yeah. actually work right now, but everyone gets what the point of it is. Yeah, yeah it doesn't some, yeah, really matter because yeah. it's not final language. Yeah. 
yeah so so we're working on new wording for that but the the hopefully the uh the end result will be the same that everyone thinks it is right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, now we yeah. don't have another Mozart's Pillars thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a perfect example, right? Like that is that Mozart Pillars in Mark II and uh, to a lesser extent now in Mark III have just been a rules nightmare for the Infernals. Like those poor guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> like, what do you think is this structure? Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> We've dug too greedily and too deep and we don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate her getting simplified a little bit because I, so I've played against a ton of Jaga Jaga and I, admittedly I kind of read her current feet as lose 30 minutes on your clock, but <laughs> she's, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's like, are they my models right now? Or are they her models right now? Yeah. For, oh, for I the, didn't. Yeah. For I, feet. Like, who knows what's actually happening? I had to do a battle report against it the other day, and yeah, I was like, we have a little black token, but that's really hard to see in pictures, and I can't remember that well which models are which, and so it's just like kind of a mess. Yep. And and then it's like, yeah, when somebody's like, what's your feet do? And it's like, here's this (laughs) like sheet of text about exactly how this works and so. and even then like it, it it wasn't even that good of a feat that's the thing it's not it's not even like it's doing anything super crazy like it could be good but it's not that great most of the time and it, and it wasn't even like super fun or like really interactive or interesting it was just like really convoluted and complicated for like a very minor benefit that could have been just like when you kill stuff it's rfp'd and all their stuff gets minus two armor like that's the thing it's like it's a very cool idea but there's just like trying to translate it to the table is such a nightmare like yeah like yeah okay never mind (laughs) so so i'm happy that we're we're able to kind of rewrite her feet and and get her super sack strike super sack strike holy moly sack strike yeah I love some of the weird little applications people have been talking about for it. Because some people were calling it like a worse heavy two feet. And I was like, no, it's actually a lot more flexible. Um, yeah. His, okay. his is very effective. But like I, I liked one guy was talking about um, doing a heavy trade. And if like say you've you know, failed to kill a Warple Stalker by a couple points, right? That Stalker is going to kill your wrestler now. Like it's just going to die because they probably have some kind of buffs. But you can feet and just sack it and just slam it with a pound 19 and be like, okay, it's gone now. Like now it's dead <laughs> instead of getting to kill me and stay alive. You know, it's like little things like that. And so, so the week two out. feet, you can't sack beasts anymore. It's only one. Oh, did they get rid of it? Same. Yeah. Can yeah. Only sack, warrior models. Can you? Oh, it's oh, it's only warrior models. I was amused that you could sack the sacro vault for a minute exactly. there. I was, I was like, I don't know why you would, but you can. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we were actually playing it today in playtest, and we kind of made that joke. Like, all right, I'll sack my sacro vault now. It's <laughs> <laughs> about twenty. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You can't do it. You can't do it anymore. Yep. And you can't just pound their caster with seven of them or something. Yeah, so. that that was the concern for me. That was like the one thing that I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know about that, guys. But, I mean, we we definitely saw that interaction. Where we were like, well, this is pretty cool. It's probably way too good, but let's give it to them and see what happens. Let's test them, right? Yeah. Make sure. Yeah. Get all that info in there. So. And and you know, if it had worked out, it would have been fine. Like that would have been sweet. But it didn't, and it wasn't. So here we are. Here we are now. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we're going to start closing it out on that one because we've been going for about an hour. Sweet. We don't want to drown everybody in too much, Will Pagani. <laughs> hey, until you get to like six and a half hour podcasts like the Australians, you're going to be doing fine. It, I miss Oz Machine. <laughs> so much. I have a thing for like really long form content, and so they're like three hour casts were just like how I got through my days sometimes. <laughs> those boys. All anyway, of those, especially Colin. He's my boy. Well, yet again, everybody, thank you so much for listening and chunking through episode number 15 of uh, Line of Sight. I'm going to go through all the super fun thank yous and all that stuff. I want to thank everybody who supports us on our Patreon. That's been super awesome. As we've said just a million times, it, You know, Jade and I would not be able to get to the stuff that we do without it. So it's it's awesome. It's helping me get to War Machine Weekend. It's a huge deal for me, and it's... It's what makes us want to put in the effort, make sure we get these casts out every week. We get awesome people like Will on. Yep. Do all that extra little bit of work. Also, big thanks to Broken Egg. Broken Egg Games, super awesome company. They've been supporting us and just being really great. Um, Helped us out making a lot of our games look super good, and they make some of the best stuff that you can get for the game. I love all their terrain, some of the most relevant stuff. Some people don't like it because it's real big, but let me tell you, it it It's hard to go back. It's hard to go back since I started playing with it. You know, six to eight pieces of broken egg terrain. Like, 
I'm a Menoth player. I should like just a little bit of terrain, but it it makes the game so much more interesting and it feels mm-hmm. better. Uh, and of course, if you go over to Broken Egg, you can use LOS five C O D E in their little coupon code section for five percent off on their store. You can check out our website, which is LOSWarmachine.com. You can also find us on Twitter at LOS underscore Chandler at LOS underscore Jaden. And if you want to talk to Brett, that's at chokeobsessed underscore LL, although he'll probably never reply. What's your Twitter, Will? I don't remember. Uh, at your circle jerk. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Uh, <laughs> you can also find uh, our email is LOSWarmahords at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We're just like a podcast page, uh, line of sight. Give us a like on there, and we post most of our stuff to there. And, of course, yeah. you can message any of us on Facebook. Uh, you can also tag Will Pagani in about 9,000 posts a day. <laughs> you know, either way. <laughs> <laughs> and a huge, uh, huge thanks for Will for uh, coming on and, and chatting with us for a little while today, taking a break from all the uh, all the battle report reading. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me as well. It was, it was lovely for sure. And we will see you at War Machine Weekend. Indeed, it'll be good times. And I'm we'll looking see... forward. Yes, and we will see you all around next week. Bye bye. <gasps>